0: Since we've kind of had to rush through here and summarize quite a bit, if there's anything that you want to dive into more in James, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, just come talk to me. I'd be happy. I have so much enjoyed uh, studying these as I always do and, and teaching, but I've left things out and not on purpose, well, eh, yeah, on purpose because of, of time. And I don't like doing that. I think all of it fits together because of context. And so I would hope you yourself would study and dive into it. Uh, If there's something that that maybe I've said wrong, you are to be uh, watching that I don't say things wrong as well. And so I hope you are. I really hope you are and you're not just taking me at my word. All right. So 2nd and 3rd John. So... First John had a, had a very positive purpose for John's letter, and it appears he was he was responding to errors at that time. Now, just as James was as well, and guiding people. You know, anytime uh, these apostles or others are, are writing to people, usually it's it's encouragement, it's correction, it's guidance, all of these same things that we need today. And so John is is the same thing. First John was, was more positive and upbeat, as we said before. We could use it as a, a guidebook for ourselves in everyday Christian life. Um, but there were errors going on at that time, and the most prevalent one was was something that we talk about occasionally, but you know not not in a daily way or anything. But Gnosticism, and so a lot of us go, "Okay, well, what's Gnosticism?" And it's a word that starts with a G. G is silent, so Gnosticism. And just as mankind can do, they can take God's word or, uh, or what they hear and they can twist it. And they can put their own spin on it. And then they can add some stuff to it and subtract some stuff that they don't like. And so it just changes things. But they still say, hey, no, I'm, I'm still connected with God. And it is so false. When we start changing God's word, it is false. So, what they were doing at this time is—is is I, I, I'm not diving deep into this. Okay, just a basic. Uh, they were saying that that Jesus wasn't a—he was here, but he was just a man. He was just a man. And he called himself Jesus Christ. Spouted uh, things from the Old Testament, and you know, later on in life the Christ spirit dwelled in him so that that it wouldn't have to suffer okay you see how they can just take things and start twisting them um on a fundamental fundamental level they said that that all matter was evil all creation was evil that we as people are evil and so and they did not believe that God created or have anything to do with the material universe. Now I'm just. This is a very surface uh, lesson here on this. Okay, so I, I advise you to d- dive deeper. And some just said that no, Christ could not have come in the flesh. So all these things mixed in there. Gnosticism, uh, one branch of it, taught that Jesus was only only physical. Uh, there was a contemporary of John, Serenthus, that lived the same time as John, and he was teaching that Jesus, Jesus, was physical, but that the Christ came on him at baptism and then left before his death so that the Christ spirit never suffered. Now, these are a lot of ideas out there, aren't they? And you go, wow, how, how could they believe that? Well, how can people in the world today believe so many of the things they do? how they can change up things. And so they would even take it into uh, different directions that you should abstain from everything because anything that would satisfy the flesh was evil. And then there was another group that said, well, it didn't matter what we did in the flesh. It was evil anyway. And to have full knowledge, it was proper to explore everything. Now, Gnosticism, the word comes from... um, gnosis and that's the Greek word for knowledge so these people had a very oh should I say maybe a high and mighty way of thinking about themselves that because they had knowledge that they were they were higher and better than everybody else I would hope that we would never as Christians have that kind of attitude for ourselves over others you know as we've taught James 1st John you know we're all in this together. We're all the same. We are not above anybody else. You know, our elders, uh, as a perfect case, they are the uh, authority, but they are on the same level of us as Christians. They are no better or no worse than us. They are just men trying to serve the church and, and do what they can to help the entire congregation. We're not putting them on a pedestal. We're not putting the deacons on a pedestal. They're just people trying to serve. Okay, so that's enough of that. So let's, let's get into uh, actual reading here. So we're in Second John this morning. We'll start there. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was overjoyed to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received a commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. That we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you are to walk in. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far. And does not remain in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. The one who remains in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house, and do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you. And speak face to face, so that your joy may be made complete. The children of your chosen sister greet you. So let's discuss Second John first. Let's dive into that as a separate letter here. And, and it's, it's written as a letter, but there's so many things in here. I mean, the very first thing, the elder, okay, we recognize that as John, all right? So he's writing it. To the chosen lady and her children. Who is he writing to? You know, we, we run across these things, and we have to kind of pick them apart a little bit. Now, we also have to say, okay, is this a salvation issue? Because I'll, I'll tell you honestly, just that, that phrase, chosen lady and her children, okay? In, in, in the time I have studied, the many different sources I've gone to and, and looked at and, and my own uh, dive into it, This could be a letter to a lady and her children. Okay, it's set up like that. Or the other school of thought is that it's to the church and the Christians. Can you see how that parallels the lady? You know, we talked about the the church being the, the bride of Christ. All right, that's a parallel right there. So John is not going too far out there when he calls, and when he says to the chosen lady. Who could the chosen lady be? The church. And her children? All the Christians. Because we've seen many times that he's called his fellow brothers and sisters, my children, my children. He's older. He feels a responsibility to them as their mentor, almost as a father to them as he's teaching them, encouraging them, correcting them. Okay, so either way is okay. I mean, if if you want to take it just literal, that it's to a lady and her children, okay. You know, at the very end, we even see him wrapping it up that way. Um, so just a thought. It's not something to get hung up on. Too many times we can take little details and get so hung up on them. So let's not do that. Now we see in there in... in he says truth so many times truth what is that truth that truth is jesus christ and that what's it's what he refers to over and over and over and we have to hear that continually do you walk in the truth do you walk in christ i certainly hope so because that is the truth um in John 14, so now we go back to the the first book that John wrote when he was uh, taking into account all the time that he was with Jesus, okay? John 14, verses 1 through 6. And uh, now I tend to throw too many verses in there because context again. I want all of it. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Now this is from Jesus. Believe in God. Believe also in me In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you also will be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right there. Clear as day. We can't mistake that. Jesus is the truth himself. Now, I want to back up just a little bit. So in first century AD, the early church was having remarkable growth. Even with the rise of Gnosticism and, and and they're taking everything and starting to twist it and the persecution that's going on, it was growing. People were listening to this. They were connecting it to God. There was a new way of life. But what accounted for this spread so much? Well, hospitality. And, and we're going to see this again in here. That even Paul, in Paul's letter, he was he was taken in by other people. He would travel. People would say, come, come stay with me. Now, that was a part of the culture at that time, very much. You know, if there was a visitor or a guest there, you would invite them into your home. You'd want to feed them, give them a place to stay. All right? Because at that time, there was no quick hotel around the corner, and you weren't just driving to the next city and then coming home for the day. You were on foot. Or mule, or, or camel, or some other form like that. It was slow. And so hospitality was a main part of their culture. So Paul himself depended on many Christians to open up their homes to him. And he encouraged Christians to support those who were teachers of good things. We see this in Galatians 6 6. Teachers of good things. Alright, that's important because John addresses this in 2nd John the deceivers and the antichrist now you remember that um was it last week or the week before we talked about antichrist right there in the word antichrist opposite of Christ opposing Christ okay and it wasn't just like the movie said this big devil coming out and that's the antichrist no it can be just us it can be us as people doing wrong and opposing the teachings of Christ, of God. Okay, that. so is there times in your life when you have been an antichrist? Oh, such a horrible word, isn't it? I would not want that label on myself, and I hope never to have that. But things were going on. James addressed this as well. John and 1 John did too. There were false teachers out there. All right, and we're going to see this even more in, in 3 John. All right? This was already happening in the church. People were saying, okay, no, I don't think that's quite right. And we're going to see it in Third John uh, quite a bit more for one individual. But showing hospitality was not without potential for supporting the spread of false teachers and their doctrines. It would be easier for teachers of error to take advantage of Christians' natural propensity, the willingness to open up your home hospitality to strangers so john felt it was necessary to counsel them that that they had to be careful about this they had to be uh, proper discernment proper judgment in sending traveling teachers on their way are you opening your doors to somebody false are you helping them he's saying don't let that be so he's been he addressed that very much um okay so so he 's addressing false teachers, false preachers, false leaders. We have that in the world today. we have that in the church today you know um i've been on a couple of of committees and groups even looking for uh preachers for us in, in the past many years. <laughs> And one of the the biggest things is, is diving into that person, their background, what they teach, listening to their lessons, talking to them, interviewing, to find out what kind of true person they are. And then opening our doors to the right one. Because the leaders of the congregation don't want to get somebody in there and then have them start putting their own ideas in there and false teachings. Let me tell you, there are some wild ones out there. When we've advertised for a preacher and we've gotten um, packets in the mail with their resume and, and, and talked to them, they're like, I'll teach you anything you want. Just tell me what you want me to teach. Okay, right there is a big flag. All right? They're just looking for the job. They're not, not wanting just to teach God's Word. And then others, we look in their background and see how they flip-flopped and changed and, and ambiguous answers on doctrine. And it's just very eye-opening. It's like, how can they teach these things or believe these things? Why would we let them into the flock? That's the wolf coming in right there. That is the wolf that we see so many times in the New Testament coming into the flock. All right. So in verse 11, let me get there. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deed. He's saying, warning, caution, stay away from these people. You know, they, they might be very friendly, and, and we want to be friendly back, right? We don't want to be rude or, or seem like we're closed up. You know, but as soon as these people get into our lives, what happens? Influence. They start influence us. And we, so many times we can say, no, I'm on guard. I can protect myself. You know, I can, I can help them out and, and be nice to them, but I know what I believe. And then what happens? It's a little whisper in the ear. It's the, the little pleasures. It's so nice talking to them. Oh, and they, they talk so well. And, and boy, what he says, some of those things make sense. And it's just one step after one step after one step. And sooner or later, we're in the whole place. We've taken it all in. And hopefully we wake up. Remember last week we talked about, you know, helping a brother find their way back, bringing them back? Well, obviously they fell from the path. And that happens. Now, just a quick note uh, when, when we are saved, when we have salvation, keep in mind it is not uh, once saved, always saved. Because obviously, from what they've been saying, you can fall, you can take the wrong path, and so we have to be guard guard ourselves for that, even for those around us. All right, and then in in twelve. I hope to come to you and speak face to face. Okay, Paul said this the same thing many times. You know, it's it's wonderful to get a letter. Even you know, how many times do we get letters today? Not that often, really, but we get a lot of emails, right? Because it's really quick to jump on the computer, tap out an email, and send it to somebody that that we know. Um, I like doing that. You know. uh but obviously a letter means so much more but how much more is it face to face okay think about even during the pandemic time here that was hard wasn't it it was horrible you know we're getting back together we're 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 face to face now and how much better is that not only just to see people and talk to them but just to uplift to really connect. I mean, our live stream is wonderful. And I have depended on that so much as, as my family has. And, and even those out of state and traveling or sick, you know, it's a wonderful way to connect. But honestly, the very best way is face to face, isn't it? Ah, oh, man. Just seeing my brothers and sisters and, and being able to, to, shake James's hand, or poke Jaylee, <laughs> or slap Tony on the back, or all my other friends to say, hey, I, I need some help. It's not the same in an email, but face-to-face, you can be personal. And that's what John is wanting to do. He's wanting to be with them. He's, he's got a hope there. Now, he's not made firm plans saying, okay, I'll be there next month on Wednesday at three o'clock. But it's his hope. All right. In 13, we see there he closes up just like he opens. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Okay, now we close up a letter many times going, hey, and and my wife and kids say hi. You know, and send their love. Okay, he's closing that in the same way. Again, is it the church? And the Christians that he's talking about? Or is it actual people that he knows? We don't know. All right? Again, it is just a nitpicky thing that we do not need to get hung up on. It's not a matter of salvation. This is a letter, and everything in it is for us to learn. All right. And if if you differ in that in your own belief or opinion, you are welcome to say so. Talk to me. I'll listen. Now... So we're going to be into 3 John. Let's read along, listen to the words, and then we'll get back into them and and do some discussion. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was overjoyed when brothers came and testified to your truth, that is, How you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brothers and sisters, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such people, so that we may prove to be fellow workers with with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds which he does, unjustly accusing us with malicious words, and not satisfied with this, he himself... Does not receive the brothers either, and he forbids those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does what is good is of God. The one who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and we testify too. And you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I do not want to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Another letter, a personal letter. So the very first thing he does, he names somebody there, Gaius. We see three people that he's names just in this letter. So we get kind of a, a background, a little bit more background of, of that time. Gaius. Who is Gaius? Well, he's obviously a friend, and John is writing to him. And this is a very encouraging letter to Gaius. All right, and, and, and personal in, in the fact that he's, he's pointing out some errors in the church from somebody else. So maybe Gaius is in that area and can help in that. I don't know. That's a guess. I'll just be honest. That's a guess, my opinion. But as we would anybody, he's wishing him that he can prosper, be blessed. All right? Things will go well for him, good health, you know, And he connects that to the soul. John is putting the the physical and the spiritual there together. He's wishing not only that that things go well in the physical nature for Gaius but also his soul. All right. And obviously John's talked to many people. So John's not right there with them. All right? This is a letter that's being sent out. And people have come in traveling just like they do here. We get visitors here, don't we? come in and out, and, and in greeting them and talking to them, we hear about, you know, maybe they they are at congregations that we've been at, and maybe they know people that we know. And you say, oh, yeah, how is Robert doing? You know, it's been a while since i talked to him, and, and maybe they might share something. Oh, well, his, he's his health has been a little bit poor lately, but it's improving, and, you know, we have those connections in the church. Isn't that amazing? We talk about it being a small world. Well, it's a giant church, but how connected are we? It is truly amazing. Our military people have traveled all over the world, all over the country, visited some of the same congregations we have. You know, we have family members in the church. You know, we talk to them regularly, don't we? I hope we do. And we get to know the people in that congregation. And they've talked about us to them. You know, so same thing here. John has had people come in and and say, hey, Gaius, you know, what a wonderful person he is. He is continuing to walk in truth. Isn't that, uh, I found that just astounding. But what happens when we lose people? When they walk that that different path? You know, we don't want to gossip And so many times if if we we say something negative, we feel it's gossip. Okay, we don't want to go down that path. We really don't. We've been warned against that, washing our tongue. Don't let your tongue be on fire. All right? But sometimes, even in the brotherhood as a family, we need to know people that have, have chosen the wrong path. You know, not as gossip, not as sensationalism, but as as part of the family, because who knows what connection you may have to somebody, and you may be able to bring them back. We just know so many people, and John has taken great comfort in hearing that his children, okay, his children. You remember Second John to the lady and her children. Well, I think that's he's talking to us as christians and and John being an elder, both in the church and in age, okay he's gone through a lot he's seen a lot he's experienced a lot, so we can consider him an elder and he's taught people and he's preached and he's written epistles and letters and sent them out and encouraged people and corrected them and just like a father might, just like our father does. Okay, John's not comparing himself to God the Father, but as a human father, I have helped these brothers and sisters grow. I've seen them grow. I've seen them do amazing things. I've had to correct them. I've encouraged them. I've helped them. And I want to meet them face to face and see them again. He loves them, just as family should. And then he starts in talking about the hospitality part, strangers. Okay? Now, so many times, did you know that you even have a part in welcoming strangers, in supporting strangers? Okay, how many missionaries do you know? How many do you know personally? Or how many do you know, like, from our bulletin? Or, or maybe a poster, okay, but you have a part in that. You really do when you give to the church of financial means, part of that is going to the support of these missionaries and preachers and sometimes close by places, I mean we've had them in in uh, I can't remember the closest, but sometimes it's, it's students going to preaching school, going to aim. All right, those are the more local ones that we, we can know about. But then even far off, we had a, a minister, a deaf minister, who some of us know and, and have met before here. He spent five years in Mexico City teaching and preaching and helping the church there. And we supported him. And he was so grateful for that. There's a missionary, a preacher in New Zealand that we support. Now, you would think New Zealand, oh, that's fantastic. You know, but when he talks to uh, Tony or James or Jaylee or John Teamer, what we hear back is is that New Zealand people can be just as hard-headed as us. All right? They they can reject the word. They can go, no, no. They, I, I'm fine on my own. I've got this covered. But we support him in his work so that he can go out and preach and teach. You know, Africa is a prime location. We have supported two places there. You know, and they send reports back saying, here is how many has been reached, partly because of your support. This many have been baptized. And I got to tell you, they put us to shame. They are are a nation that is so ripe for God's word, they want to hear it. There are many brothers and sisters there. You know, even in our own congregation, we've had mission trips that several have taken. Honduras, um, I keep wanting to say Ukraine, but I'm I'm not correct, and I don't think that's correct. Um, But around Ukraine. And we've taken young people there and adults, and they've come back and said what an amazing time it was. Not because they got a trip out of it and went and saw stuff, but because of the people, the church there, brothers and sisters in Christ working together. And they not only encouraged them, but those brothers and sisters there encouraged our people. And they came back with a new fire ready to serve and work. And that's what we get out of it. That's what we should be doing when we're supporting others. Do you know the old phrase, it's better to give than receive? Well, when you give, you are still getting something. You're getting maybe a little bit of satisfaction, but you're getting a positive effect that uplifts you, knowing that you have the ability to help. I mean, so many times when we're we're in the depths of, of hardship, financial woes, and, and we pity ourselves. You know, those are the times to look out, outside of ourselves, and help others. You know, in, in many of the travel vlogs and blogs and writings and everything else that I follow um, and interested in, so many times they say, I went into this village of people that had nothing. Their houses were just little shacks. And they welcomed me with open arms and fed me out of their very meager things and made sure I had a place to, to sleep and stay. They took care of me. And I didn't ask them to. I was just passing through. And they just welcomed me in. Now, I got to think that we could do better as Christians in that respect. I mean, we who are so blessed and have everything, really, could we not open our arms even more? Yes, while being cautious, you know, and guarding our our souls, but at the same time, open ourselves to the world and those around us. Show that hospitality, that welcoming. Or, or I, I think it comes back to even more. Love others. And we've heard that so many times, haven't we? It's amazing that it all comes back to that, loving others. Because I wouldn't want God to say, well, I love a certain group, but this group over here, you know, yeah, you're just not up to standards for me. That would be horrible, horrible. But how many times do we apply that to people around us? You know, we, we put labels on things and such and, and, and certainly I wouldn't want to be called an antichrist or a deceiver or, or even a false teacher. But, boy, I just lost my thought where I was going with that. Anyway, okay. I, I, I might get back to it. We'll see. Okay, so let's go on here. For they went out for the sake of the name. Whose name? Jesus all about Jesus accepting nothing from the Gentiles now what he's referring to is is they're not going out just saying hey come support me come support me give me stuff I I need some food no they're being very careful they're looking to their brothers and sisters Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we may prove to be fellow workers with the truth. So, just as we are supporting missionaries, he's saying that is good. Diotrephes. Okay, I believe this is is somebody that is causing trouble. Now, just the fact that every time I've read this verse in my study, every time I've read it, I am just my mind is blown that there is a person such as this in the church. And he's doing so much damage. I mean, John describes it very well. He loves to be first among us. That speaks to pride, doesn't it? This person is very proud of who they are. Does not accept what we say. So even as John, who has been with Jesus Christ, traveled with him, listened to him, Diotrephes is saying, nah, I I don't I don't think so. It kind of sounds like Diotrephes is putting himself first in everything, including his own knowledge. And so John says, Hey, if I can come, I'm going to. But when I'm there, I'm going to call attention to what he's doing. I'm going to call him out. I'm going to say, You are wrong. And The things he's doing, John says here, unjustly accusing us with malicious words. Now, in us, I'm guessing that it's not only John, but other church leaders and brothers and sisters in that area that are speaking about this. And Diotrephes is malicious words. What's that bring to mind? Ah, awful things. Stories, half-truths, lies. Lies you know he's going against the church he's going against god and just the fact that he's even connected with the church just it hurts me it hurts me to read this and then he goes even further john says not satisfied with that that's not enough he himself does not receive the brothers either all right he won't let them come and visit he won't let them in to preach he's like no stay away it almost sounds like what Diotrephes has done is he's taken ownership of that group. Today we would almost say it's a cult. Oh, I better talk faster now. Okay. And he forbids those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. That almost speaks to physical violence, doesn't it? Even if not physical, certainly emotional and, and verbal, He's holding all of them out and saying, no, this is my group. They they listen to me. I don't care what you say. And John John says, don't imitate what is evil. Don't imitate diatrophies, but what is good. The one who is good is of God, and who does, the one who does evil has not seen God. Now, remember when he says seen God, it's It doesn't, you don't have God in you. All right. Then we get to another person, Demetrius. So we go from a very low, low to a very positive high. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we testify too, and you know that our testimony is true. Demetrius is a good person connected with John. He's in good standing. He teaches what is right. He does what is right. Copy him if you want to copy anybody. And then John goes on to say, I had many things to write to you. All right? When you're writing, how long are your letters? If you just really let it flow, you can just, just keep going page after page. You know, and those are the best ones. The long ones, maybe the thoughts are a little bit rambling, kind of like my, my speaking. But those are what we want to see, because at those times, the, the, the intimacy of the person comes out. Just put it all out there and open up. And, and John's saying, well, that's really what I wanted to do. But you know what? I don't want to do pen and paper anymore. I really want to see you face to face. I want to be with you and connect with you personally. I want to be in your home and eating with you and having fellowship. Remember that word fellowship? We've seen it many times. What is that? Connection. When we're having a fellowship meal, think of it as a connection meal. When we're having a fellowship with each other, you know, for whatever it is, we're connecting with each other. The business world has that down pat. You know, they, um, LinkedIn, Indeed, all these other job sites and everything, they want you to connect to everybody. I get requests on that all the time. And a lot of them I just delete. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that person at all. I don't know why. You know, but they're, they're suggesting to you, hey, you need to connect to him or her or these people. You know, spread that out. Well, we do that same thing in the church. Hopefully, fellowship, connecting with one another. And John wants that and he wants to be back with his fellow brothers and sisters who he considers his children because he's taught them. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. He's closing it out. Those I'm with, you know, here in the church, my family, your family that are here with me, Send their greetings, and we hope the best for you. Continue on. And with that, we close out. So we have gone through James, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Quite a bit to pack in here. In all of these things, I encourage you to, to spend time. It doesn't take very long to read through them yourself. Spend time yourself going through there. As I said, all of these are a guidebook a wonderful guidebook for us to just go through and say, oh, that's what I need to do. You know, there's nothing weird in there. He he states it pretty plainly, actually, what we need to do on an everyday level. And it's an encouragement to us. If we go through there and look through there and go, oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, maybe I need to change a little bit. So, you know, as we dive into God's word, we can see... Sometimes if we've fallen off the path, if you don't look at the guidebook, you're going to get lost. Just to put it plainly, get back into God's Word. Do it on a regular basis, not just on Sunday morning, you know, or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, but all the time. God bless you. I love you. It's been wonderful. Thank you.